0: Welcome back to the Red Firm Book Review. I am your host, Amy Mayer, and today I wanted to welcome you to season two of my podcast. So I am recording this uh, episode. It will be released in September, but through the magic of recording, it's actually mid-August and I'm It took me a little while to get started. I have to admit, I'm a little bit rusty. I had to find my microphone, um, remember how to use the editing software that I use. And this may not be the first time I had to record this episode. This is actually the third. (laughs) So with that though, um, I wanted to let you know that I'm really excited to be here and I'm excited that you're listening. So let's get started. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to do is talk about a couple of things that I'm watching and listening to right now. And the first thing I want to talk about is The White Lotus on HBO. And I really want to talk about this show. And at first I hesitated because I figure most of you have probably already seen it yourself but I just found out a new tidbit um, that I can share. So now I have an excuse to talk about it. For those of you who have not um, had the pleasure of seeing this show yet, it is about a Hawaiian vacation that goes horribly wrong at a luxury tropical resort. It has... um, filled with an all-star cast. Some character actors that you might not have known as well but have been around for a long time including Jennifer Coolidge who you might know from the Bend and Snap fame in Legally Blonde. Jake Lacey who might be playing the worst person ever um, as an entitled um, newlywed. Now he has in his career, always kind of played um, the wonderful boy next door, and he has a, a great chance here to play a villain. But what I wanted to talk to you about is the intro. So it has um, the intro to the show. It has a very distinctive soundtrack um, that the composer calls Hawaiian Hitchcock, and that it's got a very catchy theme with discordant flutes and accelerating percussion it's kind of jarring and in the background when you, when you see the beginning of each episode there's tropical wallpaper and what I found out was it's just rife filled with symbolism you may have picked up on that but if you go back and look at it now it's filled with all kinds of easter eggs and foreshadowing uh, for what happens in this show which is essentially it's a mystery it's a it's a comedy and a mystery and it's a, a dark comedy is what i would say so it's just it's filled with um one of the things i'll give you an example there's a papaya there's twin papayas that are swollen and kind of rotting and they appear right next to uh steve zahn's name who also suffers Early on, from a medical condition that mirrors the fruit hanging next to his name. So, there's lots of things uh, from the lush foliage to um, the blooming hibiscus and lounging leopards. Go back and look at it, and you'll, especially if you've ended up watching the whole show, and you're gonna see a lot of things that you may have missed the first time. Okay, now on to the next thing. I'm gonna talk about a podcast that I really love, and I'm really excited about it because I'm pretty sure you haven't have heard about it. It's called Edith, Edith with an exclamation point, and it stars Rosamund Pike and Clark Gregg. Now, this is uh, a, satir- a satirical, irreverent take on the story of First Lady Edith Wilson following President Woodrow Wilson's stroke. Uh, The time period is 1918. There's a pandemic in full swing. And Wilson is negotiating, has just negotiated, or working on the Treaty of Versailles. He's And he has a stroke. So what really happened, and this is a true story, Edith Wilson steps in, and she takes over for the president. And historians have in the past kind of questioned what role she actually played. But some she has said herself that I just did the minimum and kind of passed notes on to him. Um, but other people see her as much more than that. And some people call her the first female president. So with that in mind, the creators of this podcast came up with a sparkling, uh, crisp script starring Rosamund Pike, as I mentioned, and she revises a um, very similar character that she played in I Care A Lot, um, which is streaming, I believe it's on Amazon, where she plays a cro- crooked legal guardian. And it also references a little bit, I would say, um, the kind of evil character she played in Gone Girl, uh, where she starred as the murderous wife, Amy Dunn. But this is a, they're calling it a historical comedy, and it also recalls um, the old-fashioned radio hours of, say, the 1940s. And most of us, I think, when we listen to podcasts, we're looking to get information and news and to be entertained. Like, you're tuning in to listen to me to find out about Books you might want to check out, but it also can just be a great form of art and a great place to hear stories. And this is one of these stories. So it's um, a limited series. There's, I think, there's about eight, going to be about eight episodes. So check that out. Okay, so now um, I'm going to get to the books. And today what we're going to talk about is a pair of memoirs, and they're both written by young, feisty, creative women who've overcome a lot of obstacles to get to the top of their respective fields. And the first book I wanna start with is called Between Two Kingdoms, a memoir of a life interrupted by Sulika Jawad. And I chose this book because it is my favorite book that I've read this year on reflection. So the year's not over yet, but it it's up there. And a lot of it, um, it was a lot of firsts for me. This was when I decided to do this podcast. It was actually the first book that I read, and I listened to it uh, via audio, and I had never fully listened to an audiobook before. I found it hard, I think I've mentioned before, retain information that way. But I listened to the author speak the words herself, and I loved it. And my memory is of listening to this book in January when it was a very scary, difficult time, poring over a puzzle and sitting at my dining table and listening to this woman speak. And I thought she did such such a great job. And I was really moved by this story. What this, what this story is about, it's about a young woman's journey, um, with cancer and it's about her recovery and coming back to the living. And it's also an odyssey. Um, at the, in the second half of the book, she takes, um, a road trip. So I think this book really, resonates with a lot of people. She, the author, Salika, did not know about COVID, but it came out at the same time. And so what happened is it talks about, the point of this book is talking about a life interrupted or something happening at a time you really didn't think it was going to happen. And that's what happened for us with COVID. Um, We sort of were in denial for a while and then there was nothing we could do but give in to what we were going through. And that's what she had to do. And so I really found a lot of similarities um, to her story. So the way it starts is um, Salika herself was has a very interesting background. She's born to a Tunisian father and a Swiss mother. She's an Ivy League grad. She went to Princeton. She's well-traveled, involved in human and women's rights. She plays the double bass, speaks French and Arabic, and at the time she becomes ill, she's just moved to Paris to pursue a career as a foreign correspondent. She has a cute boyfriend, and things are starting to happen for her, and she gets sick. At first, The doctors, and no one's really sure what's going on because she is so young, and I don't think at first they think it's cancer, she learns that she has a form of leukemia and has about a 35% chance of survival. So the first part of this book goes into great detail about her treatment, Um, and it's essentially a diary of her treatment. And I would say Hemingway says that which is most personal is most universal. So at first you think, why do I want to read all this information about you know, the amount of drugs going into her system, about what her day consists of? But th- through that, you really get, you feel her pain and what she's going through. And she's a journalist and writes in a, a very... Um, a tone that i I really appreciated so, and then what happens is while she's going through this treatment, she has to return to New York, where she's from to do this, she gets a column with the New York Times where she writes about her journey through cancer, and through this column, she connects with people all over probably the world, but the United States, who write back to her. And she connects with criminals, other cancer patients, cowboys, uh, all kinds of people. And what ends up happening in the second half of her book, so when you become well again, you have to learn how to live. Just like with COVID, it's not a medical thing, but we've had to learn how to come back into the light. And that's what she has to do. And so, what she does is she reaches out to the people that she most connected with through this column and kind of invites herself to go visit them. Uh, and she packs up a camper van, it's a school bus yellow camper van, grabs her dog, and without a lot of money, and goes on this road trip. And she goes all over the place. And through this road trip, and shes it's interesting because she's super connected with these people. But in some ways, she doesn't know them at all. So who would do that and be that bold? And through this process of going and meeting all these people and listening to their stories and sharing her own, she starts to heal herself emotionally. So... I can't recommend this book enough. Oh, and the other little thing, it's also a love story. She has a wonderfully supportive boyfriend, and then there's another man enters her life, and she has to kind of figure out what's going to happen there and if she can make it work with um, someone who was so supportive with her during her treatment. So check out that book, and um, I'd love to know what you think. So, okay, on to the next book. So because we were going to talk about Two Kingdoms, I thought, well, let's talk about another great memoir, also by a young woman who went through a difficult journey. Uh, And this book is called Finding Freedom, A Cook's Story, Remaking a Life from Scratch by Erin French. This book was recommended to me by Bedside Table Books blogger Susan Susan Matheson. And you may recall when she came on earlier this year and talked about her books uh, for summer, uh, this was one of the books. And I knew when she told me about it, this is definitely the first book I was going to pick up. And uh, when you get the book, you'll see it has a very striking cover with... Um, Erin on the cover and she's wearing a linen apron and she's engulfed in a wild bouquet of brilliant um, poppies. They're orange and red and you can't see her face. She's just like these wild poppies and, and then there's a black background. So um, what this book is about it is the tale of a young woman who faced all kinds of obstacles and has ended up Uh, creating one of the most sought-after restaurants in the world and one of the most desirable uh, tables anywhere in the world. And today, if you want to go to her restaurant, you have to write her postcard explaining why you want to go, and she gets over 20,000 submissions a year and selects just 1% of the people. And people come from all around the world to go to her restaurant. She's a darling of Martha Stewart, and she's the subject of a series on uh, the Magnolia Network created by Chip and Joanna Gaines. So what this is about, um, she grew up in a town called Freedom, Maine, in a very simple background. She had a hard-driving father who owned a diner where he worked 24/7 and she ended up spending lots of time at the diner. It was her daycare. It was where she did her homework and at a very young age she was back um, in the kitchen slinging hash, uh, setting tables, just doing whatever it took. And through through that process she learned um, her timing. And her instinct for cooking, the food was simple, but it was you know the place to go in town, and it's where she cut her teeth. Um, fast forward, she goes off to university, but she has an unplanned pregnancy. She ends up in a brutal marriage. Um, she has a divorce. She becomes addicted to drugs, and it's you just can't imagine how she's going to get out of all this. But the story talks about how she does and how she creates um, the fairy tale restaurant that she has. And she builds a restaurant in a beautiful historic flour mill that you have to go over a gravel path and across a waterfall to get to. And so with that, I wanted to conclude by, um, in her own words, reading a little bit about this restaurant. So I'm going to pull this up for you. And this is, this is kind of towards the end of the, re- the book where she's talking about the experience that she's created. Find your way to freedom for dinner, and my only hope is that I can give you a meal and a moment that will leave a memory to last a very long time. Because, like my mother told me, that's all life is made of—memories. From the pot-laden parking lot, make your way over the gravel path embedded in the woods and follow the soft light guiding you to the footbridge that extends over Freedom Falls. Emerge from the woods and the mill will come into view, nestled into its great granite bedrock, perched above the rushing water. Wind your way around the side of the building, minding the path that leads you to the doorway of our wine cellar. Descend the stone steps and be engulfed by the tiny cavern carved into the foundation. Line floor to ceiling with wines from obscure and tiny vineyards with their own stories to tell, each hand by my mother. She'll greet you with a warm smile and conversation— hand you the evening's menus, and help you find the perfect bottles to sip on through the night before tucking them into handwoven baskets to be carried to the dining room above. Upstairs, Ashley will be waiting patiently for you. Like the rest of us, she'll be in her favorite black dress, the apron around her waist hand-stitched by my mother. She'll lead you through the barn board lined dining room to the table that has been set just for you. Hand-stitched linen napkins, vintage blue willow bread plates, mismatched estate silverware, French water glasses, a milk jug filled with chilled water, a single candle, and a bud vase filled with flowers that Ashley grew herself on her farm. Take your seats in the Windsor-like chairs that my mother and I painted a slate-like charcoal. Uncork your wine as Alex graces the table with stemware to suit. And with that, I'm going to conclude the first episode of the second season of the Red Firm Book Review. And I just wanted to thank you so much for joining. It, it means so much that you're here. And I want to give you a little preview about some of the things we're going to be talking about this season. Um, Next week, I'm going to have on Eileen Garvin, who wrote the best-selling novel, The Music of Bees, which was a Good Morning America uh, book of the month. Then I'm going to have Susan Matheson back on. She's going to give us a fall book preview. I've got a number of other authors coming. I've got Jin Sukfong fong Lee. She's a poet and a novelist coming on later this fall. I've got thriller writer Robin Harding to talk about her book called The Perfect Family, which is, as you can guess, about a family that is anything but perfect. And I've been reading all summer long, and so I have a whole bunch of books um, that I can't wait to talk with you about. And Jeff is wrapping up um, two books that he's been reading over the summer. And believe it or not, one of them does not have to do with music. So I will leave that there. And he he's said he um, can't wait to come back and talk with you. So thank you so much. And I will talk to you later.